0: Today on the wrestling podcast about nothing, we're getting into the wrestling success stories we've been privileged to witness over the years.
1: Well, well of course, it's about time we get to the Brian Malona story on the WPAN.
0: Yeah, you might get a mention in here, Brian. Uh, plus, your promo about nothing is coming up and so much more. But first, tell him, George.
2: I think I can sum up the show for you with one word.
0: Nothing. wrestling fans there are millions and millions of podcasts out there but there's nothing like this one
2: do you ever just get down on your knees and thank god that you know me and have access to my dimension
0: this is the wrestling podcast about nothing nothing Nothing. welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 108 presented by bdaradio.com My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a long-time independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. Currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, now a Ring of Honor wrestler, and I witnessed it. He is the one-time irresistible force, the multi-time immovable object, Lowell's favorite loser, the Kingpin, Ryan Malones.
1: Hmm. Lowell's favorite loser.
0: Yeah. What do you mean?
1: (laughs) I got a nice reception.
0: Well, but in the end, you're on the losing end of the battle with Los Inga de Japon. Oh, boy. If we get down to brass tacks. I'm going gonna, I'm
1: gonna to break it to you, buddy, right now. Ready? Yes. Wrestling's fake, my friend.
0: It is, uh, it's not fake. <laughs> it's, uh, sl- staged.
1: Staged, Okay. I think that sounds more offensive than saying it's fake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Brian, we'll get right into it. It was late breaking news last week. We found out after we recorded, so I inserted it in after the fact.
1: I, I did hear that. That's very nice. <laughs> yes,
0: you on one side of the ring and Tatsuya Naito on the other side of the ring, and the internet went crazy.
1: <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some uh douchebags out there that don't think I'm worthy, but whatever.
0: But you go out there and prove yourself worthy, correct, sir?
1: I believe that I did. I as I as I put on a tweet, Mike, uh to stand among the best you have to believe you're one of the best. And if you if you don't you don't belong there. And uh like I say I, I unapologetically stood in the middle of that ring right where I belonged on Wednesday night.
0: And I was there to witness it, Brian. It did happen. It was not a dream, my friend. Uh, when did you get first get the news that you were going to be part of this six man tag team match on Wednesday in Lowell?
1: Um, it was. Let's see. I was at um. I was at a top rope show. <laughs> so, whenever that was, a couple weeks ago, maybe about a week and a half out from the show. I mean, uh, you know, they, they kind of knew, and, and our good buddy Todd teased, teased me a little bit for, uh, for a stretch on it, um, and, then, uh, and then he wouldn't tell me and told me I'd have to watch uh, the live stream on Honor Club, which I was unable to do live that night because, because I was at a show. That was when they were in, in Florida, and I wasn't on that tour. So it was like the last weekend of April. And uh, so I found out that night. He finally let me off the hook that night when I was on my drive home, uh, what the match was. So, you know, sometimes in wrestling, you just got to sit back and look around and and kind of say, uh, that was pretty damn cool.
0: <laughs> what was your first thought when that was uh, told to you?
1: I was uh, just excited. Just what an opportunity um, just to wrestle you know people of that caliber that profile you know uh you know i bitch about the people on the internet bitching about it but i know I, kn- I know i know where i'm at right now um you know as far as my view in the public eye in the in the wrestling world and uh you know i'm 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 not at the i'm not at the level of uh, lij yet but to get to that level you have to be in the ring with guys at that level so i just looked at it as like another opportunity just to to show show the world that I belong. Had, I had, you know that I belong there, and that and that's what all I've ever wanted is an opportunity to prove that you know for 16 years, and now I'm finally getting it.
0: Would you consider this to be the biggest match you've ever had?
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I. Yeah. Not even close. I, I don't think. I don't think there's a, there's nothing that I can even you know think of that would even come remotely close to it. Not even like. I mean. I never had a dark match, but I don't. I don't even think like a, a WWE dark match would would compare to this because it wasn't like you know we're not we're not enhancement talent you know for that match. This was you know. I mean the way the way you think about these tours, the New Japan, the War of the Worlds thing, it's it's like an all star game. You know, it's the best of Ring of Honor versus the best of New Japan. So yeah, but absolutely the biggest match of my career.
0: Any nerves going into this thing?
1: Yeah, I texted you know that I texted you, Michael. Yes. I told you I was about ready to puke, <laughs> but it's good nerves. It's good nerves. It, it, it It's just you know, just to know you're going to be on that stage with that caliber uh, of of performers and um, with a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs on you. Both you know, from standpoint of fans and and some some other pretty important eyeballs, you know, on you as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I have to go out there every time and deliver with Ring of Honor, so. To have those additional eyeballs on you is is you know it's a lot of pressure, but I like that. <laughs> that means that means you're doing something uh, when the pressure's on.
0: And it was a really good house at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, and they're really into the show. Uh, and there are a lot of luminaries there i was there brian uh, i saw <laughs> brian fury i saw the playboy was in attendance the Malona's family all accounted for that evening i saw my best friend as he made sure to inform brian fury my best friend john morse was sitting right behind me and he was giving you the uh the 411 and what i was doing the entire night right
1: <laughs> yes indeed uh you- so- how come you didn't throw streamers when i came out mike i'm a little offended
0: I forgot them. I didn't have time to get to the store before the uh, events.
1: <laughs> my, my daughter attempted to throw a couple. She was sitting on the floor uh, with my aunt. I think Jimmy was down there with them at that point. She was like four or five rows back on the floor. And she, uh, you know, so I went over to that side uh, of the ring and uh, I watched her doink a couple of people off the head <laughs> in like the front row with rolls of uh, streamers she was trying to throw.
0: <laughs> she She'll get there eventually. I know she's playing softball now, right? She is, she is. She's working yeah. on that arm. She's still working on that arm.
1: <laughs> and she didn't get the <laughs> unraveling part either. They were, the, the, the roles were still completely...
0: Oh, completely, you kind going uh, like take a little piece of tape off, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: but it was cute. She thought it, she, it was a big deal for her to try to throw streamers.
0: And uh, also, I saw Rich Palladino was there. And did, did Bobby Cruz announce... Well, I don't think he announced your hometown, did he?
1: I don't know. He always announced me as Manchester, New Hampshire now, though.
0: Okay, I wasn't sure if you maybe tried to get in a little dig after we recently had him on the podcast.
1: <laughs> but I had I had a nice I had a nice reception, Mike.
0: You did, you did, yes. I think
1: I think I won the chaotic wrestling heavyweight title three times in that in that city. I actually said that to Silas Young in the ring when. Uh, when the crowd absolutely exploded for Naito, which was ridiculous. And I said, are you kidding me? How's he getting a, he getting a louder ovation than me? Don't these people know I won the championship here three times?
0: <laughs> well, not here exactly, but yeah. Well, in Lowell. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> That's all right. It's a trash city.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Trash people doing trash things. Wow.
0: <laughs> I live right by that city. It's a fine town.
1: Adjacent to Refuse is Refuse.
0: <laughs> 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 Mrs. Enright! Mrs. Enright! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, how did you feel the match went overall there, buddy?
1: I was happy with it. You know, I was really happy with the match and. Uh, you know, me and Bruce are trying to do that double slam thing. I think, I think we might put uh, that transition on on ice for a little bit uh, into, the, into the double slam. But other than that, I think it, uh, I think it went um, I think it went really well. How did you feel about the match, Mike? How many stars? <laughs> did
0: you wow, get how many stars? Well, you're in the ring with Japanese wrestlers, but if it was in Japan, Brian, it was in the Tokyo you know <laughs> Yes, but no, it was really good, really solid, and you did what you're set out to do, right?
1: (laughs) Get my ass whooped. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I have my moments to shine, too. I I think I did, you know, it's important in those moments, especially, I mean, even with my partners, even with Bruiser and Silas, they're more established than me, and and obviously, um, you know, Evil, Sonata, and and Naito are true international superstars, so uh, it's important in those types of situations that I'm not the sixth guy. You know, I can't just be like, hey, here's these five stars and then this other guy Like <laughs> you can't be that and i felt it was important to make sure that that wasn't the case
0: i mean while you didn't get the victory brian you did uh set out what you were trying to accomplish which was soften him up for chris jericho right
1: exactly yeah got a nice check in the mail from uh, y2j
0: there you go and maybe he's not putting
1: yeah. me on that cruise though <laughs> i was gonna say maybe
0: in exchange yeah he could uh help you uh set sail there with him
1: i'm not all in i'm not on the cruise what the hell's going on here
0: what the hell's going on around here? We got to work on some of that stuff, there, Kingpin.
1: I don't know. There is a major announcement coming up, right? By the time this airs, the major announcement will already be out. But
0: there is a major announcement for All In. You're saying?
1: Yes, for All In. There can only be one thing.
0: <laughs> it can only be one thing. At least in my mind. Yeah, there's only one <laughs> guy left, right? Flip Gordon. Oh boy. <laughs> well, speaking of Flip Gordon, speaking of a lot of uh, guys that we've been around. Like Your recent success in Ring of Honor uh, got me thinking. Also, NXT last Wednesday on the WWE Network. Both the War Raiders featuring our buddy Hanson and Tommaso Ciampa were both on that show. So that kind of got me thinking, too, of just reminiscing about the success that we've been around.
1: I feel like the uh, yesterdays from uh, Guns N' Roses should play softly underneath right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe if I have the time, Brian, I will. Oh, uh, I know, know, know you're very,
1: it. I know you're very busy taking 47 childbirth classes.
0: You gotta be prepared, my friend. You gotta be prepared. It's getting close. Uh,
1: you have no idea what you're in store for, buddy.
0: <laughs> I don't think I do. I'm trying my best to be uh, up in all these things.
1: <laughs> all these things?
0: <laughs> all these things. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just really got me thinking those couple things and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today just all the people around us who have accomplished great things in professional wrestling but before we get into that brian brian com is up it's operational and it links directly to your pro wrestling Tea store does it not
1: it does indeed my friend
0: and you have a few t-shirts up there for sale
1: we do. We have three up there. We have the Mastodon shirt. We have the online exclusive, never released anywhere before. I guess the, the both of the next two, both only can be found uh, via BrianMalonis.com. The the original Kingpin t-shirt, but with a little bit of a spin with the, uh, the black on the yellow t-shirt, black writing on the yellow t-shirt, and then the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt.
0: Yes, all at BrianMalonis.com. Another way you can do it, though, is by hitting the merch button on the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. That is our official web presence for the podcast. You can find all of our episodes there. You can find subscribe buttons so you can make sure you get that delivered to you on your phone each and every week. And plus, there's bios, photos of our pro wrestling careers, much more at dot com, the official hub of the wrestling podcast about nothing. And between podcasts, you can find us on the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group. And that is on Facebook. Just put in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts. Join the group. Talk about all pro wrestling podcasts. And a couple of things... On that front, my friend, I teased it last week on the podcast, but it was released last Wednesday. It's a pilot, Jerry, the pilot of the Putting Over Podcasts podcast, where I talk to another pro wrestling podcaster about their story. And last Wednesday on the first episode, the pilot episode of Putting Over Podcasts, it was our Vantage Point's Joe Morata. And I'm sure you already got a chance to listen to that, Brian.
1: Oh yeah, it was fantastic.
0: Oh, Brian,
1: I haven't had a chance yet. I've been very busy. It's been a busy week, you know.
0: I'm sure you've already listened to Pritchard's show, though.
1: For from when? Last week?
0: Well, this week? No, no, you haven't. Okay,
1: just came out today. We're recording this on Friday. Just you know, I haven't listened to it yet. I haven't ch- I'll probably listen. I'll probably listen to Pritchard uh, on the flight to Chicago.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, So that is my pet project that I'm considering working on in the future, the Putting Over Podcasts podcast, talking to pro wrestling podcasters. Really hope you go and check it out. It is on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed. It went up last Wednesday. You can find it there. You can find it at the WPAN.com as well, the Putting Over Podcasts podcast. And also we got a message on the putting over a podcast Facebook group regarding our episode a couple weeks ago where we talked about work or shoot, Brian. Did you see this thing today?
1: No, I didn't see the message.
0: His name is Justin Descend. He posts, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Sorry, Justin, if that's incorrect. He posted about the episode we talked about a couple weeks ago, work or shoot. He says he questions the use of the term worked shoot. I was taken back uh, by how many times you and the Kingpin used the term, not because the term was used, but more because of your background in the business. He says he was trained by Steve Dahl, who is also known as Stephen Dunn of the tag team Well Done. And they talked about work shoots, and he was heavily scolded for using that term, saying that, Basically, if it's not a shoot, it's a work. There's no such thing as a worked shoot. And I tried to. I gave my explanation on the Facebook group. You can go and check that out. Putting over podcasts, the Facebook group. What do you think about what Justin is saying here?
1: I mean, I I get it. I get. I get what he's saying. You know, but I wasn't trying to say like it was half and half or whatever. It, It you know, it's it's a work that you're trying to convince people is a shoot. Which, uh, which I guess technically is all of pro wrestling. I don't know. I get what he's saying, but I don't know. Sometimes you can't be so literal. I guess.
0: Yeah. Right. The whole thing's a little convoluted. I I, I tried to say you know it's yes that's the the way to classify it so, so people know what you're talking about if you're talking about.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I get. I get it. I get what he's saying, but. I, I gotta be honest to me, it's one of those things that sometimes older wrestlers or trainers or things just like they get really hung up on like everybody has like their thing that they get hung up on and and that's their that's their thing that they get upset about, so that's exactly I, I, I what get i said it. I,
0: that's exactly what I said to Justin, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's fine i mean it uh, I mean certainly we weren't trying to imply anything other than it was you know these scenarios where. They're looking like they're peeling back the curtain, but in in reality it's you know like like the CM Punk thing where they're where he's saying things that could be how he really feels, but you know they're try they're trying to double. It's almost like a double work. I guess. maybe that's a better way to put it, Pike. It's a double work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No disrespect meant to like you know Steve Dahl, who's no longer with us. But like I said in the post,
1: no, no disrespect to anybody. You yeah. know it. You know it just was. Put it this way. I get what he's saying, but I'm probably still going to use the term.
0: <laughs> but thank you justin for uh, the feedback and everything like that and you can uh join too putting over podcasts the facebook group leave your feedback for this podcast or any podcast it has got a ton of podcasters in there talking about uh you know they're all the wrestling shows that we love so be sure to join us in there and uh We also want your feedback. Let us know what you think at the WPAN on Twitter. Give us your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on the upcoming discussion. Use the hashtag WPAN. And of course, the voicemail line's been a little dormant here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. We want to hear from you. There's no better way to hear from a fan and a listener than to hear your actual voice, your actual thoughts, in your words, so Call the voicemail line, 401-584-9726. Leave us your thoughts, leave us your opinions, leave us a question. 401-584-WPAN, 401-584-9726. Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast, we should talk about very briefly here with Mike Mills, Hardbody Harper, Doc Turner. They do two episodes a week on Sundays and Thursdays. Thursdays is their flagship show. Sundays, the Smoky Mountain show. A lot of great stuff going on with Mike Mills these days, including he did a podcast with me. If you're a patron of Booking the Territory, you know that. So check out Booking the Territory. Perhaps become a patron. MikeMills.Podbean.com for more info on that. And thanks, as always, to Mike Mills. And we mentioned our vantage point because I had Joe Murata on Putting Over Podcasts, the podcast. But you can listen to them every Monday, them being Joe Murata and Michael Quinn, our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, ovppodcast.com. Every Monday, they are talking about the world of retro wrestling, and they do it very well. And another guy who does uh, old wrestling very well is Peter Winson, PW, from Greetings from Allentown. Every Thursday, he drops a new episode where he's talking about one episode of wrestling television per week. And you go, as Mike Quinn says, you go inside the mind of... Of Peter Winson as he breaks down these episodes. So greetings from Allentown, a great podcast.
1: It's weird and wild stuff.
0: It sure is, and well worth a listen. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart and a ton of others over there. At Rundown Podcast on Twitter or find them wherever you get your podcasts. Rundown Wrestling Podcast. All right, Brian. Finally, we hear wrestling success stories that we've been around in, I guess, mostly New England, right? That's where we are.
1: Yeah, this is where we're from.
0: <laughs> That's where we are. I mean, we could talk about Warbeard Hanson all day long, and we have at length. I think if you go back and listen to episodes eight and nine of this podcast, we talked directly with one half of the War Raiders from NXT, of course, before they got signed to the WWE. Check out episodes eight and nine with Warbeard Hanson. A great look back at his story. But he is uh, a guy that we've been especially close to, and he is after so many years finally getting to wwe it is a it is a great story
1: it is indeed yeah it's great to see him uh you know on nxt now and i'm still a fan of the name war raiders i think it's growing on people
0: yeah it's just uh, (laughs) except for you War Raiders. And we talked about the NXT episode from last Wednesday. Handsome was on there and also Tommaso Chump. I think we should get right into talking about Tommaso, a guy that has overcome so much to get where he is now in NXT, in WWE. Of course, he had a run in WWE, uh, a short-lived run in WWE. Well, not on the main roster, but in developmental in was it 2007 or something like that was that the year
1: yeah probably around there somewhere around there. i don't remember well yeah actually it, it was it was because um I, I was gonna just well i don't know i guess this is sort of like the name droppers episode so there you go Um uh, but I, I remember that uh I got married in 2007 and, and, on, and Tommaso was gone when I put together the original guest list and one Kofi Kingston was invited to my wedding and he got signed and was leaving before my wedding and Tommaso had gotten released uh, in that time, so I subbed out one friend for another. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And, and yet, Brian Fury didn't make the guest list. <laughs> no. I better not make these jokes, or I'm not going to get the invite to the uh, to the Fury Wedding.
0: Yeah, <laughs> a little uh, payback there. Uh, but yeah, Tommaso, we talked about this in the lost episode of the wrestling podcast about nothing. We've mentioned this before. We did like an hour and a half at Tommaso's parents' house when he was in town. Uh, right before, I well, actually, he'd already done the cruiserweight classic he hadn't been signed officially yet but we talked to him and uh, we had a great conversation about his entire career and it is been put in a safe it has been locked it has been <laughs> dropped in the ocean and never to be heard on these airwaves but we talked to Tommaso about his story and it started like before he even thought about getting in the ring and wrestling he was at the school, dealing with was it knee surgery,
1: yeah, yeah, I think he had yeah something going on with his knees, and that's when that's what led to him you know being there and taking notes and asking a million questions and being absolutely obnoxious, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, he always had a question, and we'd always know. Uh, Does anyone have questions? And everyone would turn their head and look at Tommaso (laughs) as he confidently raised his hand in the air. Uh, Yeah, Tommaso, yeah, he, he signed up and then immediately went down to injury. I think it was, was it like a football injury?
1: I think so. I, I don't quite remember the full story of the who'sies and what'sies. Yeah, Tom- and Tomas was pretty young, I think, at, at that point, too. Like, you know, even yeah, young. Like 19 for, or something. Yeah, like joining wrestling. So. He was that kid that always had a question. It's like, we just want to go home, and Tommaso has questions. <laughs> Here's We've been busting our ass, getting our asses handed to us for three, four hours, or however long class was. We're sweaty and tired and feeling gross and hungry, and Tommaso always had a question. He was that That's guy. Co-
0: <laughs> it's, it's quarter of 11 on a Tuesday. You just want yeah. to get home and go to bed, and Coach says – anyone have any questions before we get out of here? And that arm goes up <laughs> <laughs> and everyone groans.
1: And Everybody's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> remember when Tabasco's
0: question was always like about if he should go to college?
1: I, I don't remember that. No. <laughs> no.
0: He was always like, do you, you think I should go to college? There, there was always a thing like, and he always got the answer, but they always kept on asking the same question again.
1: I don't remember that at all. But like everyone
0: that came in, he'd always ask about college.
1: <laughs> oh, you mean like guest speakers and whatnot? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> I mean, it really is important with WWE now. WWE does look for those sort of things. They want college-educated people. They want uh, people with interests outside of pro wrestling. If pro wrestling is all that defines you, then you, you might actually have a tough time getting a job with them, believe it or not.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, uh, especially these days. With the, you know, they're a publicly traded company, and everyone's going to be a representative of the company. In yeah, it's you know,
1: it's. The, I mean, they got wrestlers. I mean, they need people who can. You know, we're sidetracking a little bit here, but not only do they need you to be on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live, but they also need you to go guest star in a movie or be on Good Morning America or you know uh, meet with you know a Make a Wish family. They they need. It's not. The, it's not the good old days of wrestling, as they say.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, you're. It's right.
1: not. It's not your father's wrestling anymore. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Uh,
0: so Tommaso was signed in 2007. Went to OVW and was released after what, like nine months?
1: Yeah, very, under a year. Very quick. I think. I think Tomaso learned some life lessons down there, and it really was an opportunity that he earned, but you know, maybe wasn't quite ready for. He's the. I think the classic case of maybe you know too much too soon. I guess.
0: And how many people do we know that got signed, got released, and just completely gave up, walked away from the wrestling business? There were quite a few.
1: Oh yeah, a lot. I mean, some people didn't even get signed; they would just get like, uh, "Not right now," and they would they would quit.
0: People like Tommaso, uh, we're not going to take no for an answer. And he's talked about on like Cole Cabana's podcast. He had like drug issues. He had. Uh, you know, thoughts of suicide. It was uh, a rough go for Tommaso, but he was able to build himself back up after he was kind of devastated from this release uh, from WWE. It was like a grassroots thing for Tommaso. Once he left WWE, he gathered himself together. He got back on his feet again. It was a grassroots campaign to get the name Tommaso Champa out there.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he, he and Jesus, he went through so many. Looks
0: and different, yes. you know. <laughs> do you remember the Sting jacket?
1: I do, with the crazy <laughs> hair. Like, yeah. I mean, we should find some of these pictures and post them when we release this episode. But he, I mean, he reinvented himself. You know, sometimes it felt like one show to the next with chaotic. He would, uh, he would have a whole new look. He'd shave his head. He'd grow a beard. He would dye his hair. He would you dye know. his beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all sorts of just, just crazy, crazy things.
0: Tommaso used the internet, like one of the original guys, especially from New England, to use the internet to his advantage to get his name out there. And it worked. He got more work. He worked elsewhere. He worked a bunch of different places. He ended up getting signed by Ring of Honor and worked for there forever. And when he left Ring of Honor of his own accord, I think I said this to Tommaso when we talked to him, I was... I was like, what are you doing, dude? I mean, I didn't say this to Tommaso, but just thinking to myself, what are you doing just walking away from this opportunity, from this contract? It, it was baffling to me, but he he had other plans in mind, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially where it's kind of funny. He was still with Ring of Honor, but I was having the conversation with him about he was going to quit his job and just, just wrestle and just focus on, on wrestling, and then he walks away from Ring of Honor. It's like, uh... <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> like what uh what are you doing but sometimes you know as he put it you got to bet on yourself and he didn't feel like he was getting the opportunities and and you know i'm sure there were some financial considerations there you know when you sign a contract you're locked in and um i think tomaso believed in believed in himself and believed that there was more money uh, out there for him than than what was being offered
0: yeah, bet on yourself was a big part of the podcast that we recorded with Tommaso Ciampa. That was his uh, mantra that he kept on bringing up time and time again. Bet on yourself.
1: Yeah, and see what you want about Tommaso. He's had, you know, with some of the issues he's had, and uh, you know, Tommaso is is a guy who I would say, inside of wrestling, you know, one of my closest friends. Uh, you know somebody I've had many of deep conversations with. And Tommaso can be a difficult guy at times, like full disclosure. Tommaso can be a difficult person, especially when it comes to wrestling and he has very strong beliefs and and strong convictions. But, I mean, the one thing that nobody does is outwork Tommaso. Nobody outworks that guy. Uh, no. He just is a tireless worker. He is an absolute maniac, and I mean that in a good way.
0: Yeah, he, there was no denying Tommaso Ciampa that he was going to get back to where he wanted to be. And in the span of like one 365-day period, I think he appeared in Ring of Honor, in TNA, and in WWE you know, and NXT for the Cruiserweight Classic and other stuff he was doing in the tag team with uh, Johnny Gargano. I think his first appearance was at the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, I think, with Johnny Gargano as his partner. But yeah, he'd appeared everywhere within the span of a year and ended up after the um i think it was after the cruiser bay classic officially signing a contract
1: i think so yeah somewhere somewhere in there i think originally too it was this it was not supposed to even after he got signed it was not supposed to be what it's turned into um i think not that they were going to be enhancement talent but you know i i don't think uh the original plan for them was to you know, when they first started, it was oh, maybe maybe we'll get you a deal, and you know, it was like oh, maybe we'll sign you to this sort of deal, almost like the Rhino type deal, not the same exact thing when Rhino first came back with the company, but it wasn't meant for them to be these the stars that they became.
0: Yeah, and now he is main eventing NXT's TakeOver, and it looks like something again coming up when they do TakeOver Chicago in a couple months, but Tommaso is just, like you said, the definition of a workhorse. There's no uh, holding Tommaso back from achieving what he wants to achieve in wrestling.
1: Yeah, Tommaso, I mean, I don't know if you remember, the, you know, Tom Pritchard used to come and, uh, he'd he have like the, the, the guy, you know, the guys would give it their best try or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, yeah, but then there was the people who were whatever it takes. And Tommaso is a, is a whatever it takes. And, uh, that's the way he's always been as long as, you know, we've known him. And, and I'm sure that'll be, for the rest of his life. I mean, Tommaso is still a relatively young guy. I mean, he's young, younger than, certainly younger than you. That's not <laughs> saying much though, but, but younger than me by a few years. So, you know, he's got, a, he's got a lot left in the tank and that dude's focused. And I think, I think Tommaso is going to be a big star, a bigger star than he, than he already is there.
0: Yeah. Especially since he got like three surgeries out of the way in the span of, you know, this past year. So he is feeling really good, obviously looking in the best shape of his, uh, professional career and probably feeling better than he ever has so I mean there's nowhere to go but up for Tommaso
1: yeah exactly and I think he has the right people in his corner he has the right attitude and uh, the sky's the limit for him it's the sky is the limit and I, I think uh, certainly I think he'll have an NXT title run in his future
0: And speaking of NXT, speaking of hard workers, how about Oni Lorkin, also known to us as Biff Busick? When I think about what Biff went through to get to a WWE contract, just uh, another crazy story with ups and downs. I mean, Biff started at the CTC, I think it was at the time, uh, with, you were there. Were you training at the time when Biff showed up?
1: I was, yeah. So it was, uh, I think coach had kind of been a little in and out at that point so it was it was kind of me and handsome um i don't know if fury had quite kind of joined us and tried i don't i'm horrible with that whole timeline but um I, I would you know i would say myself todd and and fury all had a big part in, in biff's training for sure
0: well in the beginning anyway but then he went and trained just about everywhere <laughs> all over the world he took it upon himself to get up to Calgary, Alberta, Canada to train with Lance Storm, which didn't usually happen. Usually Lance Storm takes people, you know, they're fresh. They've never been in a wrestling ring before. He takes brand new students. But I think this is the first time that he made an exception because Biff really wanted to go and train with Lance Storm. So he himself and the East Coast Cowboy packed up their belongings and moved up to Calgary to train with Lance Storm.
1: Yeah, and I, I've always said that Biff is probably the, the smartest guy I have encountered in, in wrestling. You know, he always had a plan. He always had an idea of what he wanted to do. And, and like so many of us that made the mistake of, Uh, just chilling out in the New England area for years and years and years and years. Uh, He was going to go out and and make it happen for himself. I mean, the dude was banned for life from WWE at one point. Remember?
0: (laughs) Yeah. We've alluded to this a couple times in the podcast, but yeah, he was told not to come back to WWE. One time he went as an extra to WWE TV and he didn't sign the proper paperwork to work out in the ring. And he went anyway they said yo good get down to the ring right now right now so he neglected to sign his paperwork or get his physical was it his paperwork or his physical
1: I th- yeah i think both i think it's like signing i think it was the most important thing was the uh was the waiver type thing that the you know the no, i'm not going to sue you guys for letting me in the ring thing and but it's one of those things it's like i don't know they were told to hurry up and get down there and I, uh, you know, I think it's silly if you want my honest opinion on it. But and even the whole ban thing is, you know, stupid. It's as yeah. dumb as, uh, you know, Joe banning <laughs> banning uh, Jerry from the uh, fruit store. <laughs> <laughs> you banned. <laughs> I like. I like to think that's what that's what Mark Carano, whoever, said it to to Biff you know what? I don't want your business. You're banned. It's
0: funny uh, because Biff ended up using that name briefly on the independence, banned by WWE Biff Music. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that. Yeah. (laughs) I think he used it in Top Rope. Too hot for WWE? (laughs) Yeah, it's too hot for
0: WWE. But uh, Biff also went down to San Antonio, Texas. I think it was San Antonio and trained with Funaki at his wrestling school.
1: Yeah. I think, I think his brother or something lived down in that area and, yeah, he found his way down down to Texas to train with uh, Funaki, and then you know he has gone all over. He's like I said, he he's a really smart guy. And and the other thing about Biff too is he uh, just has a magnetic, absolute magnetic personality. Um, I saw him on New Year's. Actually, actually spent New Year's with Biff and had a couple cocktails with <laughs> with Biff Busick on New Year's. <laughs> Maybe a couple too many cocktails with Biff Busick, but. It was like old times, um, you know. Just because that's just the nature of his personality. Uh, I think Biff's the type of guy who, if I don't see for another fifteen years, when I see him, we'll pick right up where we left off. And uh, I'll and I'll say I'll I'll go on the record of saying this. I don't know why they don't find a way to incorporate uh, the way that guy can. Tell a story into his character and on TV because <laughs> nobody paints a better picture and nobody tells a better story than Biff Busick.
0: I mean, only Lurkin can tell a story in the ring. He's a great wrestler, but yeah, that aspect of his personality hasn't quite crossed over yet. And it'd be great when once it all gets together, he's just gonna shoot to the moon. I think.
1: Oh, it'll be mo- it'll be money. That would be. I mean. It, the best storyteller I've ever, I've ever, and I don't mean storyteller as in like in the pro pro wrestling sense. I mean like you know you're having a good time, you're telling stories, and 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 nobody paints a picture like like uh, Oni. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we attempted to get him on this podcast to uh, share some of these stories, but uh, wasn't to be. Yeah,
1: some jerk off ignored my email
0: over <laughs> uh, over there. <laughs> but a thing I remember about Biff is
1: some self-important douchebag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the thing I remember about Biff specifically is he would work doing the most labor intensive stuff. He was like digging posts. He was working on a farm.
1: He was <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he he you know had no money, he was making no money, just trying to make ends meet and wrestle at the same time and hoping something would come together for him. But I remember him showing up with, you know, he'd have a farmer's tan, literally, because he was out on the farm.
1: Cuz he's a farmer.
0: Yeah, all day doing that stuff. So he'd come to the show and you know, Biff Oni doesn't tan well. He is a, a very pale gentleman, so he'd have these red arms and this pale body. So it was uh, it was kind of funny. But, yeah, he came from he, – he had no money. He, I think he had to move back from San Antonio because basically he had nothing, so he had to come back home. But just the fact that he got himself out there more, he got himself beyond wrestling to – PWG, all that stuff, and finally got signed. Back where he belongs. No longer banned. Unbanned from WWE. <laughs> now he Oni Lorkin doing a tag team thing with Danny Birch, who is now officially signed with wwe and yeah something's gonna happen for biff if there's any justice in this world
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i i, I agree um I, i've you know just worked so hard uh and he's another guy who bet on himself and just took chances and um when you think about somebody like going for it he went for it without a net <laughs> Like he, he went for it uh, and he got there and, and he'll be there for a long time i think
0: I think we've talked about this before, Brian, but do you have any regrets that you didn't kind of like take more chances? Do you think you were kind of reserved in your decision-making for your pro wrestling career?
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, I guess the only real regret I have was being so focused on, on WWE because I think that led to some of my mentality of, um, you know, I did have earlier opportunities at Ring of Honor and I I decided not to go to a tryout camp because I thought, well, no, I've wrestled for you. Like you've seen me, what more do I have to prove? And and, and with the mindset of like, well, I just want to go to WWE anyways, you know. So I, I I regret having that mentality of just being so WWE centric and not being focused on trying to get to better indies and 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 branching out more and going to different areas and um, that piece of it, I I certainly regret. I don't regret the whole like relocating to OVW thing that I know was pushed heavily on us um i I don't know that if i'd gone to ovw i'd be in any any different situation than i am today i don't think i would have gone and got a contract with some of those monsters that were down there um (laughs) and then so many people were doing that too it wasn't like an original idea to move to ovw I, i think i think just the being completely wwe centric for so long was what really hurt you know, hurt my career and 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 kind of stalled me out. I should have taken better control of of my situations. Um, you know, I also too. I was so focused on trying to go to TVs when I was never going to get signed by going to TV. I'm am not, not going to be somebody who like I needed I needed a week to you know I need I needed a tryout type situation to change people's minds because I'm not cookie cutter. I'm not traditional, but I, I think I'm good enough to be an exception to to rules it's just you're not going to do that going to tv and working a three-minute match and in the afternoon and that nobody watches you know i mean it's a little different at tv now but in the days that i was going it was it was very different but that is what it is you know for me i should have gone out tried to make a name for myself in other ways and and made myself more marketable so maybe they came to me you know
0: and you had kind of adjusted your mentality before it was too late. And you've, you know, you did the Ring of Honor camp a couple of years ago, and now you're a mainstay in the Ring of Honor. And I said before it was too late because you're on the verge of basically calling it quits at one point.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was definitely, I was wrestling for chaotic only, essentially, and, and wrestling, you know, once a month and just, eh, what am I doing? Spinning my wheels you know i'd taken over as the booker which is always like the for an indie guy that's always like the oh, well I'm kind of <laughs> winding down here <laughs> like <laughs> um i'm i'm never going to do like the you know like the brian fury retirement tour like that's never going to be my exit to pro wrestling it'll just be one day i'm there one day i'm gone maybe then then i'll take a booking 2 years down the road and then it'll be 3 years and then eventually i'll just never have another match like i don't i don't know that i'll, I'll ever have like that this is my final match type of thing you know but yeah I was, I was i was pretty close i was you know just wondering what i'm doing and then ironically it's two of the guys that we talked about watching them wrestle that that sort of started to light the fire in my belly a little bit
0: Tommaso and Biff had a match. Tommaso in and Biff, Lowell.
1: and, and the, yeah, and Lowell, which ironically, I just had the biggest match of my career in that very same building. Um, so it's weird how life comes full circle at times. And and hopefully that that match Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, was just the tip of the iceberg as far as big matches are concerned. But certainly a pretty good launching pad. But and it's funny all all the time. I get I get you see a lot of stuff, um, and I appreciate the people who reach out on you know, on social media and are like, oh, you should go you know, we want to see you in WWE, we want to see you in NXT, and it's just like, man, that couldn't be the furthest thing from my mind, you know, and uh, I'm focused on doing what I need to do in Ring of Honor, and not that I don't appreciate, because I, I I understand their sentiment, and it's and it's a compliment, like, they're being complimentary of me, um, but for me, it's just like, when you're in the moment, it's like, I'm just so focused on doing what I need to do in Ring of Honor, and I don't know if that makes any sense to you, Mike, but it's just it's just a mindset.
0: Right, yeah, you're accomplishing what you're setting out to do, and you set out to be the best member of honor, and you're not done there yet. So,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's just I'm, I'm, and for me that that part of it has like I I don't know, like I'm done with the with the dreaming, and like I'm in the I'm in the moment now. Now I just want to live the moment and enjoy the moment, and 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 try to get bigger and better things where I am, rather than trying to focus on on other bullshit.
0: So Brian, you talked about moving down to OVW. I know someone that did move down to OVW and attempt to get a contract, and that's a guy who was around for a really long time and everyone was like, This guy is a can't miss WWE prospect, but it took him so long to get there, and that's Mike Bennett.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. Jesus. There's a guy who another guy who he moved to OVW. He's he's been all over the place. You know, we when we first met him, he was what, probably. 16-ish, 17 years old, something something like that, Um, weighed 140 pounds.
0: Mike Benoit.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was one of my first ever feuds in wrestling for the NEWA Heavyweight Championship. (laughs) Um, You know, me versus uh, the miracle Mike Benoit. It's kind of crazy to think about how far he's coming. But another guy who is a tireless worker and, and did things to make sure he wouldn't you know, that he wouldn't be denied no matter no matter what. I mean, I remember when he first went to Ring of Honor, too. People just shit all over him. <laughs>
0: like yeah. They
1: just took steaming dumps on him, and he just continued to do his thing.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Ring of Honor, we talked to Bobby Cruz about this. Bobby originally recommended him for Ring of Honor when Gabe Sapolsky was booking, way back when. And I remember, I might have been the first show that I did, like, pre-show matches for refing. Mike Bennett was also on that show doing a pre-show match. I think I might have refed his pre-show match. But he was, yeah, twirling around for a long time. And Gabe Sapolsky thought the same thing that we all did, is that he's WWE bound. So he didn't want to put much stake. I mean, and Bobby Cruz said as much on the podcast a few episodes back that he didn't want to really want to put a lot of time into a guy like Mike Bennett because he's going to WWE. And, you know, some... Ten, twelve years later, <laughs> Gabe Spolsky is correct. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he is. I mean, it's it, it, he took the long road, that's for sure. But, yeah. but you know, Mikey is a guy who went out and made the market for himself. You know, he's he's he did what I said I didn't do, and that was go out, make the market for yourself, and and maybe they'll come to you. I mean, he most of the guys in his position were starting in NXT, and he went straight to the main roster. You know, and, and obviously I know it's been a battle for him since he's since he's been there. But the dude just performed on WrestleMania. He just performed at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Um, you know, he's pretty open too about some of the battles he's had and what he's overcome. So, just so happy and 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 proud of him for that. And he's an amazing guy too. Um, just perpetually upbeat and positive and um, just had a baby, like just all sorts of good things happening uh, for Mikey B. So, I mean, if we had Brian on, I'm sure Brian could really go into detail, you know, about Mikey. I guess he's not Mikey B anymore, huh? He's Mike Um, (laughs) Canellas. Mikey K, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's the common thread, I think, among a lot of these people we're talking about, is they are good people who worked hard and persevered, and look where they've gotten
0: it's just amazing the stuff we've been around i mean there's so many more that we could get into here but we're running low on time who's something you want to talk about specifically brian uh,
1: I, I mean i mean she's probably never going to be on this podcast i mean there's sasha banks um which, oh, I, her? Which, which i think has been covered i guess uh maybe not not so much here but just what she's gone through and what she went through with us and uh, you know, I, I kind of think about her and uh, her. Her rise wasn't quite as meteoric as like Kofi's, but they were both around. So, you know, it's funny. There, there's the two ends of the spectrum, right? We just talked about these guys who have been around a long time and ate a lot of shit and um, and really persevered and and had to stick it out. Uh, and not that Sasha and Kofi didn't face tough roads, um, but and they are both incredibly hard workers. But their rise to success was the short road, you know, as far as getting to the indies to WWE, especially Kofi. Kofi took the express (laughs) road. Yeah, we talked
0: about Kofi uh, in a BDA bonus podcast. It's actually episode eight. We talked. It was called Kofi the early year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The hell with that jerk.
0: Because it was, yeah, it was very brief. He was on the independence. He was uh, in chaotic. He was undefeated until one man took him down and sent him packing.
1: That's right. Me. The kingpin. <laughs> yes. I am 1-0 against Kofi Kingston. He'll never get that win back against me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that is pretty much for sure. <laughs>
1: He will never, ever, ever get that win. So forever, forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, as long as long as I'll I know him, I'll be undefeated against Kofi Kingston. He, him, and him, and Sasha. Though I mean they, uh, I don't I don't quite remember how long she was around. I mean certainly longer than than Kofi was. But still, I mean, still a very quick route when you think about from the Indies to you know getting a WWE contract and but just still incredible stories and, and people who worked hard and weren't going to take a no for an answer and 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 look at them now. I mean, they are two of the biggest stars in in WWE. Just just incredible. They they've they've moved more merchandise than either of us could ever even fathom. So <laughs> I was in I was in an FYE. Did I talk about this already? Thank you too. Yeah, like a po- New Day Popsicle kit. Like, <laughs> like, what? I'm over here trying to just, you know, sell a couple damn t-shirts on pro wrestling tees, and Kofi's got goddamn Popsicle kits in, in stores. You're trying to
0: eat Popsicles, and he's selling <laughs> Popsicle no, no, no,
1: no, 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 <laughs> Mike. I'm on the, you know, the kick bin's, uh on the straight and narrow, buddy.
0: You're off Popsicles.
1: <laughs> You've been known to have a couple Popsicles in your day, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, I got some in the freezer right now. I got to get to those in a <laughs> second here, but uh, Sasha, yeah, she was—I would say she was shy at the beginning. I mean, she was young. She was what 18 when she started, or maybe even 17. She was 17. Yeah, I remember
1: having the conversation with her mother of like, "Take care of my daughter." <laughs> I was yeah. like, and I was like, I was like a pit bull when when it came to her. Like
0: she was young. She was shy. She had trouble with promos. I remember specifically her trying to cut a promo at the Chaotic Training Center, having a tough time getting through it. But I could see, you could see at the very end when she was at Chaotic, it was starting to come together for her. I remember specifically the angle where she put the cake in uh, Alexis's face uh, in Woburn. Do you remember that? I do, yes. That moment there was we can see there's something she's getting more confidence you can see she's uh, coming more into her own but it really all came together when she went to nxt
1: yeah i mean it's it's funny seeing the character that she is now and just remembering being at the pav upstairs where we would take like promo pictures and her just feeling awkward taking you know taking promo pictures you know so it's you know kind of funny
0: yeah, and Sasha, even in the beginning in NXT when she started doing the boss character, it felt like she was almost like it was someone play acting, someone who was this boss character, but she really grew into it. I mean that's just my opinion, but she really grew into it and now I mean, she's the boss, there's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, she's she owns that character, she is that character and yeah, just obviously really happy for her and you know, you don't you don't get to that level that she's at without busting your ass
0: (laughs) yeah and i guess we could talk about a ton of more people we could talk about aaron stevens aka Damian sandow we could talk about flip gordon who's uh it's either you or him i think going to all in you never know (laughs) flip a coin Flip, get it? Flip a coin. Yeah, 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 it's like, yeah, You are it, Flip Gordon <laughs> and Donovan DiJack. We talked to in episode twenty one of this podcast. He has a great story as well. Uh, you know, he didn't take a direct route to WWE. He's there now in NXT, but you know, made a stop in ROH. And he's a guy who's motivated, and you know, he won't be denied as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, I'm still waiting to see him pop up on NXT uh, TV here soon, but. Yeah, he's he's another person from this area. It's crazy the just the amount of guys that have come out of this area who have gone on to make waves, you know, all over the world. It's it's kind of insane.
0: Yeah, we talked about this with Bobby Cruz. It was actually in the bonus time with Bobby Cruz. If you go to our YouTube channel and you can go to tinyurl.com slash WPAN YouTube. It's also on the front page of the WPAN.com. Bonus time with Bobby Cruz. He talked about the rise of New England in the eyes of the wrestling world because for a long time it seemed like it was barren wasteland where just people were just there in New England. You had to get out of New England to get noticed. But now people are being plucked directly from you know the independence in new england so it's definitely changed the past five ten years
1: yeah it's it's been incredible it's been incredible and i'm proud to be finally finally be a part of that
0: <laughs> yeah and uh, you are the inspiration here brian for this whole episode so continued success my friend continued success
1: thank you the no no more broken hearts broken dreams club
0: no, 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 no. It's nothing but up from here, my friend. Indeed. All right, Kingpin. It is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDAradio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Brian's doing all in? Yes, Brian, I basically know that this is a repeat of last week's BDA spot, but Brian Dave Meltzer and Bruce Pritchard are both going to be there in the same building CM Punk is doing a signing at PWT's the store in association with the show everyone is on this show now except for you and except for Flip Gordon why can't we get the kingpin on the bill, tell me
1: (laughs) I don't know buddy, I I, I don't know maybe maybe, uh, the Bullet Club doesn't like fat people
0: Well, I'll tell you why, Brian. I'll tell you why right now. Oh, okay. Because BDA Radio gives you the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDAradio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Hashtag Book Kingpin. And hashtag visit dot let's get that going hashtag book kingpin for all in <laughs> let's make this happen
1: yeah 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 it's
0: a big show it is a big show It's a really big shoe Brian. mean
1: maybe, maybe uh, you all know, well, this will I mean I'm going to Chicago yesterday <laughs> maybe, maybe i'll ask <laughs> maybe I'll ask the young bucks and Cody tomorrow Or on Sunday. Maybe by the time this comes out, buddy, I'll already be booked. (laughs) Wouldn't you sound stupid?
0: (laughs) I'm just hoping I'm doing this big build-up, and it's going to pay off in some respect. (laughs) Here's hoping, my friend.
1: Keep your fingers crossed. Just don't hold your breath.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kingpin. Promo about nothing. The year? 1984. And this is the American Wrestling Association, the AWA from Vern Gagne. And Brian, Mean Gene Oakland is standing by with Jesse the Body Ventura, who is also going to introduce a third person we'll find out in mere moments. But let's head over to Mean Gene for this week's promo about nothing.
2: Fans, I, like you, have been waiting anxiously over the past seven days for word from Jesse the Body Ventura out of San Diego, California. Last week, you told us you were going to have some news that would knock, so to speak, the wrestling world out of its ear. Tell me something, me, Jean, you really and truly been waiting seven days, Indeed. right? Well, I got the news to knock wrestling back, to knock it forward, to do everything to it. The AWA, get ready, because when Jesse the Body speaks, people listen. I'm kind of like EF Hutton, you know. But now, about two years ago, I was over wrestling in Japan. And I saw a guy in Japan, now mind you, this is two years ago, that I looked at this dude and I thought, man, what would happen if Jesse the Body Ventura and this man were to become one, were to become a tag team? What you got to say? You have got my curiosity up, Jesse. I know mean gene and I know all the people out there you're thinking right now. Is it the return of Adrian Adonis and the East West connection? No, 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 it's not. It's a man who is so devastating. What? If there's anything I lack in wrestling, this man makes up for it. If there's anything he lacks, I make up for it. Are you ready, Mean G? I'll tell you, let's get on with it. I want to let's find get out, out who it is. Let's get out, Mean G. Come on out here, my new partner. Oh, you have got to be Mr. kidding me. Saito. Saito, your new partner, ah. I cannot believe it. Just, when did all of this take place? Oh, I'm very, very happy. Because he's a lot of tough man. Look at that body. Big arms, big chest, strong body. We are a good team. Benshi-san, i I'm so happy to you. I could present to you this expensive one Japanese kimono. Maybe you like it. Look Aidomo. at this—the presentation Ooh. of that all silk smoking jacket. No, it's a kimono, not smoking jacket. Kimono, kimono. Look at this. Look oh, at this, there. gentlemen. I'm sorry, we are Ooh. running short on. We're not running short of time. I'm going to show you real quick, Mean Gene, the power of Mr. Saito. I All saw right. Japanese power. Yeah. What in the world, Java? What is this? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna, gonna do? Look my head. Oh, one thing. Oh. Look at. Oh. This. Now, what this is tough? Like <laughs> it's tough. Just like a Japanese, sir. but Mr. Saito number one, broken next one. Yeah.
0: So yes, if you didn't uh, get the gist there, Jesse introduced Mr. Saito as his new tag team partner and proceeded to pick up a couple of boards, and Mr. Saito was going to put his head through those boards, and he proceeded to not do that.
1: (laughs) No. No, he didn't.
0: You can hear the knocking, I'm sure you could on the podcast, but that was just his head just hitting the board and doing absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was that was something. And and I was uh, I was already thinking to ask you as I ask with so many of these promos like this didn't actually make air, did it? But clearly it did not. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it did say on the YouTube video, it says, AWA TV show from New Year's Day, 1984. I mean, I, really? I guess they're claiming that it was on TV. At least, I don't, I, I don't know. I
1: find that hard to believe, especially when somebody says it's a shits at the end of the promo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shits. And,
0: you know... You know, me Gene has some experience with smoking jackets that he thinks that a kimono is a smoking jacket.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Put that cigarette out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little awkward moment there with uh, Gene and Jesse Ventura, too, when Jesse just, like, stops and says, What do you got to say, Gene? <laughs> like, you have got my curiosity peaked.
1: <laughs> you know, <it's> n- <laughs> Mean Gene Oakland was pretty awesome.
0: He was the best. You had to have somebody that has a little personality doing these interviews. Of course, you don't get that today, really. Do you?
1: No, no, you don't.
0: <laughs> and uh, I want to see the interview. I want to bring Mean Gene back just so he does one of those interviews and then. The person walks off and you're just staring at Mean Gene for three seconds before they fade to black. Could we get that?
1: Yeah, please, no. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I don't understand it. We, we could do a whole episode on that, Mike.
0: Yes, we could on the backstage interviewers that are pretty much useless. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's not nice. We're not Renee Young. Renee Young is great at what she does. I agree.
1: You looking for me to agree there, buddy? I agree. Yes. So i not sure. <laughs> okay. I'm not
0: sure what happened to the team of Jesse Ventura and Mr. Saito. I think after this, they might have just called it quits and said. Fuck this. <laughs> well, it was off to a great start, as you can see. It sure was. <laughs> All right, you've heard this promo about nothing. This is one you have to check out. This blooper, Jesse Ventura, Mr. Saito and the Unbreakable Board. Get the full picture. Find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the wpan.com that is thewpan.com. com. and Brian, you're hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler. And you got dates.
1: I do, buddy. On the 26th of May, that's a Saturday night, I'll be heading to Newburyport, Massachusetts for Atlantic Pro Wrestling. I'll be taking on the unequaled one. Many are better, but nobody is equal to Todd Sopel. <laughs> <laughs> Come see me wrestle Todd Sopel on May the 26th in Newburyport, Massachusetts on June the 1st. Friday night, I'll return to Lowell, Massachusetts for the Chaotic Countdown as part of uh, Chaotic Wrestling's big event that night. And WWE Hall of Famer himself, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, Mankind, Mick Foley will be in attendance there as a special guest GM. Go to chaoticwrestling.com for ticket and full card information.
0: Brian, are you going to get your win back in Lowell? (laughs)
1: We'll we'll see. I won the Chaotic (laughs) Countdown last year.
0: All right. Well, good luck to you, my friend.
1: My career my career is over in Lowell now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can I continue, please? You may. Thank you. Uh, then the very next night, June the 2nd, I'll be heading to the big city, Mike, the Hammerstein Ballroom, New York City, Ring of Honors International TV taping. Go to ROHwrestling.com. For full ticket and card information, we'll stop right there, buddy, because you talked a long time, and this podcast went pretty long.
0: It sure did, and if you want to book the Kingpin, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. All right, guys, we are back right here next Monday for episode 109 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis, I'm Mike Crockett, big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.